0: drinks of cola, rookie number geekers, bunch of ben, Intendi, ben Revere, Garrett Richards risks severe.
1: I take my lead ten times a day. What else do I
0: have to say? Happy Tuesday, everybody.
1: Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today. A very light day yesterday. We're going to scrape for some storylines, Scott. The bottom of the barrel. Trevor Williams we're talking about today. I mean, not a very busy day in baseball.
0: I think this has the potential to be a fun show good when we're not bogged down in the day-to-day minutiae we can really spread our wings and fly i, I agree
1: like i agree and and we'll have plenty of time for emails we'll empty out the inbox a little bit at fantasy baseball at cbsi.com and, and you might notice you know usually tuesday is an adam scott and chris day but i got a text from chris this morning he said he wasn't going to be able to make the podcast and this has to be machado related right
0: He doesn't want to face the music. Of course. The Manny Machado
1: music. The grand slam of Manny Machado music.
0: Right, right. And that makes Machado now, oh, what is it? His last 27 games, 376 with five home runs. Mm -hmm. Like, exactly the kind of overcompensation... We were hoping for. Now his, he, his retort would be, well, if you knew this was going to happen, why didn't you trade for him at the beginning no matter the cost?
1: Right, cause we're not idiots, but that's why we don't trade no matter the cost. We didn't
0: know it was going to happen, we just had a feeling it might happen, and look, it's happening. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't overpay based on hunches and feelings. Right. Uh, but I would have liked to have paid face value for Machado a month ago.
1: Yeah, look, I paid, I thought, face value for Machado. I actually lost the trade, and when I made the trade, everybody pretty much on Twitter thought I won. I brought it up on the podcast, and and we thought I won. And if I remember it correctly, it's a head-to-head categories league, and and obviously I needed a shortstop. I gave up Anthony Rizzo and Travis Shaw and Alex Cobb because I thought I have no use for Cobb. This was just before he went on his tear. So I gave up Rizzo, Shaw, and Cobb. It's a big haul, and I got back Manny Machado and Matt Carpenter. Yesterday was a good day for me, <laughs> but uh, I've lost that trade so far. But uh, sure. I think that was a fair trade, and and I wasn't, you know, uh, I, I thought it was a buy. I thought it was a good sell high on Shaw to get Carpenter and Rizzo Machado. I thought was basically the same. I thought Cobb was a throw in, but you never know how these things go. Hopefully, hopefully, I'll still have time to make up some ground in that trade. I mean, I think Rizzo for Machado at
0: the time was pretty gutsy. They were basically equivalent coming into the season, but just, just the way their seasons had gone to that point, uh, you weren't really getting Machado at a discount. It it still may work out fine. It, based on the way Machado's performed recently,
1: it, it looks like it will. But Yeah. It is a shortstop thing. Sure. Yeah. All right. So much more than Machado today. Uh, we are going to look at the last 28 days of data. Who is thriving in the last 28 days in different formats, and what does it mean should you pick up some of these players? And we'll start with this email. Email of the day number one is from Joel, who says, after all the Manny Machado talk, is this year or last year an accurate represent- representation of Chris Bryant's fantasy stats? Yeah, we haven't really talked about him, and he's not struggling quite like Machado had struggled, but... You look at Chris Bryan, he's the number six third baseman in points leagues, number 10 in roto. And it has been a disappointing year for the MVP. So, do you think this year, 277, 20 home runs in, uh, uh like a, what, like 108 games or 106 games, or last year, where he was, you know, amazing hit 39 home runs
0: I, I think it's it's maybe easy to overstate the difference between this year and last year because yeah it's the the environment's become even more offensive friendly and uh it's there there's been other there's been more competition there at the top of the third base rankings not that chris bryant was at the tip top last year either I think it's just hard to expect a guy who has an MVP caliber season to follow it up. But, I mean, we're talking about a drop from a 939 OPS to a 902 OPS. I still think Bryant, uh he probably should have been an all-star. He's He's having a good year, not as good as last year, but no reason to think that he's anything less than a stud or...
1: You know, maybe he won't quite be a first rounder next year, but early second round at the latest. Yeah, it's just, it's a little disappointing, especially with him being 10th in categories leagues at third base. And a lot of his 902 OPS is his on base percentage, which it's kind of, it's almost the same as it was last year, but the batting average is lower. So basically what I'm saying is the walk rate is up. His plate discipline has been a lot better this year. Uh, but his power has just been a little bit lower. He's on pace for 30 home runs, and I think that's everything's pretty... just a little bit lower. But mm, that's nine fewer home runs, and that's not over 162 games. That's over the 155 that Bryant played last year. He had 39 home runs this year. He'd be on pace for 30 in 155 games. I think that's a pretty yeah. big difference, especially because like I really thought Chris Bryant was going to be one of the truly elite hitters. I was banking on that. I'd be having a better yeah. fantasy season if he were. Sure. I mean
0: when you're talking about the difference between thirty and forty home runs basically. I I I just kind of see that as within the margin for error for a power hitter from one season to the next. I mean nine home runs it's a bigger difference I feel like when it's fifteen versus six, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Bryant's going to end up with a lot of home runs this year. Is it going to be as many as last year? No, I I don't think it really changes his value going into next year. I think he's going to be in the MVP conversation for a long time, but he's not going to win it every year. But he's got to be a first round pick, right? I don't know. I mean, is Joey Votto a first round pick? Is Freddie Freeman a first round pick? Uh, is Rizzo still a first round pick? Charlie Blackman? There's just, and then of course you have the obvious ones, Harper Trout, uh, Altuve, Betts. Arenado. I mean, I, I just, I could see Chris Bryant getting pushed out just because there are, you know, maybe 16 hitters that you could make a case to go in the first round, and that's before you even get into Kershaw and Scherzer, who I think will have a very good case as well. So
1: you do have Freddie Freeman ranked ahead of, of Chris Bryant at third base. Yes, I do. That's pretty gutsy. I mean, I guess it's really not, but
0: it's interesting. It's interesting. This was actually a conversation Chris Towers and I were having yesterday uh, in the office. The top hitters, I I forget what metric he was using exactly. I think it was runs created per 27 outs plus or something. I I don't know. Some some kind of rate stat that measures all around production. Mm -hmm. And over the last calendar year, the last 365 days um trout was number one of course freeman was number two and those two were so far ahead of everyone else like they were they were a tier of their own so really
1: oh that far ahead of joey Votto, huh yeah
0: yeah That's i surprising. think joey Votto
1: was third but yeah uh
0: there, there was there was some distance there
1: okay so there's your chris bryant discussion On this Tuesday morning, let's go to our next topic. Going back to something we talked about yesterday, another email. Email of the day number two is from John. Easy solution with multiple options to your argument about tanking or quitting early. Simply make a punishment for finishing poorly. The worse you finish, the worse the punishment. You can do embarrassing things to the losers like making them do karaoke in a 2-2 or make them host the draft next year or impact their draft order or keepers for next year or make it about money, have payouts for every finishing spot in the regular season, last place gets $0, next to last gets $20, etc. If you have no punishment, then everyone will be like Adam and Heath and simply quit once they are eliminated (laughs) from the playoffs, which is not fair, John. I am not just quitting. I'm letting Scott run the team. Well, you seem to make a case that it was acceptable. No, it's not, it's never acceptable to field an, like an incomplete lineup with injured players. That is never acceptable. If you don't want to be so active on the waiver wire and stuff like that, then that, to me, that is acceptable. What I don't
0: understand, and, and I mean, this is, you know, if you want to do some kind of fun punishment, that's fine. Those aren't always practical. Guys don't live in the same area, whatever. Um, but I've, in my dynasty league, I don't, I don't understand why there's come to be this idea that the next year's draft order has to be uh reverse order of the standings. I I have a championship bracket. It's a twenty four team league. Obviously most leagues that aren't that big, but you can adjust it based on the size of the league. I have a championship bracket that's eight eight teams, top eight teams are competing for the championship. And then the other sixteen teams are in the consolation bracket. And next year's draft order is determined by Finish in the consolation bracket So the winner of the consolation bracket gets the first pick Runner-up gets second pick and so on So that gives incentive to continue competing It's not so much incentive that people You know, in a dynasty format Aren't still going to try and make trades Positioning themselves for next year That's fine I mean, that's what you want people to do in a dynasty league But um there is that added incentive to keep winning on top of it You can't just completely tank Or you're going to end up with a worse draft pick
1: I think the best thing obviously that's relevant for keepers and dynasty leagues. If you're not in one of those leagues, the best thing that I've been a part of is a league that did have financial stake all the way through the end of the season. So there was a losers bracket, like the top it was a sixteen team league, I think, and the top eight teams made the playoffs and the bottom eight teams made the losers bracket playoffs. And whoever won that won something. So, uh, you know, you're still giving people incentive to improve their team throughout the year. I think usually a league like that, that was the highest stake. I mean, it wasn't like super high stakes, but it was the highest I'd ever played in in fantasy, and that's why I'm not playing it anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, you, if you're going to set up financial incentives for like almost everyone, obviously there needs to be more money in the pot. You know, so that is a bit of a drawback. But if you don't mind, that's actually a really good way to do it. You know, you have a playoffs for everyone. That's kind of cool. And – um The only the only thing that gets tricky is do you allow those teams in the loser's bracket to make transactions during the playoffs? I don't know. I'll let you commissioners figure that out. Scott White, let's talk about Monday's standouts. Machado with the home run, the grand slam. The power's coming back lately. He's got three home runs in his last four games. But his pitcher last night, Dylan Bundy, seven innings, two runs on five hits, no walks, and ten strikeouts. One of the best starts we've seen in a long time from Dylan Bundy. But 3 of his last 4 have actually been really good. How much faith do you have in a guy who had a 593 ERA in June and an 841 ERA in July, doing a little bit better lately. How much faith do you have in Dylan Bundy? I don't have a ton of faith, but
0: this start takes me. This start specifically because the strikeouts were so high uh, and because the swinging strikes were so high. It was the second highest swinging strike effort of the season after the, uh his his first, very first start was number one and that was a great start through his slider more comparable to the way he was throwing in, in april when he looked like a big time breakout than we've seen recently sliders of course his best pitch so there was a lot to like about this start from bundy and it was much needed the way his value was sliding i mean i was to the point with him where i wasn't even sure i cared to own him in mixed leagues, but now you just look at the season-long numbers. I mean, 119 WHIP, 415 ERA isn't so terrible in today's environment. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see him continue to throw this slider the way he did, and hopefully continue to get swings and misses on it. But I feel like there's the potential for him to still be an impact pitcher in fantasy, even if I'm
1: not not at a
0: place where I'm trusting him every time out.
1: Yeah, I mean, the season-long numbers are a little deceiving for Bundy because we had been calling him a sell-high candidate and couldn't figure out how he was doing it earlier in the year. And then he'd been pretty terrible for the last two months. Uh I will say this, though. The Angels don't strike out much. This was really impressive. Ten strikeouts in seven innings against a team that has the sixth fewest Ks in baseball. And this weekend, he's going to face the A's. They're bad. And they have the third most strikeouts in baseball. So this could be a huge week for Dylan Bundy. And then we'll see what happens after that. Like you said, it's, it's hard to really trust him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, good start yesterday. Jake Arietta, in his last seven starts, Jake Arietta has a 218 ERA. Still not a lot of strikeouts, not a lot of swinging strikes. He's at 8% swinging strikeout rate, uh, in that, in that seven start stretch with a 218 ERA. That's not good. Uh, 202 no, Babbitt. Not. Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it. He's pitching well every time out. He's pitching well with Arietta, but it's kind of like Dylan Bundy. The underlying stats are, are a little concerning.
0: Yeah. And what's weird is early in the year when he was struggling with ERA, part of the reason we were holding on, even though the velocity was down was, was that he was still getting well more than a strikeout per inning. And he's kind of flipped the script there in terms of run prevention and, and missing bats. I think he's just. I don't know. I, I think he's kind of reinventing himself to survive with the reduced stuff. And I, with the supporting cast he has, I mean, he's still going to end up being a plus fantasy pitcher, a lot of run support, a lot of win potential. But um I, I'm i pretty much past the point where I think of Jake Arrieta as an ace. It's been more than a year since we've seen him pitch like an ace. Obviously, his second half last year was not ace caliber. So he's, I'm, I'm kind of past that point with them.
1: You know, another thing that just sort of occurred to me, I'm going to look it up now just to make sure, but I'm pretty sure this seven start stretch has coincided with having a new catcher, releasing Miguel Con, Con, uh, Montero and having Wilson Contreras behind the plate. Um, yeah, I do seem
0: to remember reading something about that.
1: Yeah. So that, but, but you know what? I'm looking now at his last three starts. Contreras caught him yesterday. It was Avila before that, and it was Caratini before that. But it's not <laughs> Miguel Montero. He said, no, it's not. St- and, and, and Miguel starts. Montero got released for something he said about Jake Arietta. Right, right. That was the game where they stole all the bases off Arietta. Montero goes off, and then he, then he gets cut, and Arietta 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Yes, that's, that has been the turning point in the season. Is it a coincidence? I'm not sure. But, he's had Caratini twice, he's had Avila once, he's had four starts with Contreras behind the dish uh since that point all right interesting you know what else is interesting our fantasy baseball app well, uh, no not our fantasy baseball app our cbs sports app it's a really awesome app and we just launched a new version of it that's great for fantasy owners it's the only sports app with box scores that show stats like ops obp whip fantasy points right there in the app just swipe right on the box score swipe right Download the CBS Sports app at cbssports.com slash baseball. cbssports.com slash baseball. It's a cool app. I use it every single morning. I lie in bed, read the box scores, read the recaps, take a look, and make my notes, and I get funny autocorrects like Dexterity Fowler, who is back. News and notes. Actually, were there any other standouts you wanted to talk about, Scott, from yesterday?
0: Maybe, but I'm not going to be able to. Pull them out this moment. You can go ahead and move on to the All news right. notes. I'll bring somebody up if I spot them here.
1: All right, two outfielders returning for your fantasy teams. They're somewhat versatile. They can swipe a bag every now and then. One of them swipes a bag a lot more than that. Uh Cameron Maben is 40% owned. Dexter Fowler is 63% owned. Cameron Maben in his last 19 games before going on the DL was dreadful. He batted 127 with six walks of twenty two strikeouts. That was a nineteen game stretch before going on the DL with a wrist injury. Uh before that, though, he had a twenty four game stretch with an eleven fifty six OPS, thirteen steals, twenty or thirty runs in twenty four games. Maben was one of the best hitters in baseball, basically, for twenty four games. Uh it was yeah, out of character. I'm,
0: I'm gonna guess true Cameron Mabin is somewhere in between. Yeah, probably. somewhere in between those two extremes. I do think true Cameron, Cameron Maben should be a help, a help in batting average, not the current 238 mark he's boasting now. So I would say better times are ahead for him. Um, but obviously the biggest reason, the main incentive to own him, the reason why I think he needs to be owned in all rotisserie leagues, maybe not three outfielder leagues. But, you know, standard rotisserie with the five outfield spots, uh, is stolen bases. The fact that he is, even with the time he has missed, he is one of just a handful of players with 25 or more. Um, internet's not working so great, so I can't tell you exactly how many. Are up there, but it's only like four or five or 25 is, is more 20, steals, yeah. and there are hardly any with even twenty.
1: Yeah, he has twenty-five steals and thirty attempts, and he missed a big chunk of time. So Cameron Maben, forty percent owned. Would you rather own Maben or Fowler?
0: I would rather own. Uh, I mean, Roto, I'd rather own Maben.
1: Yeah. Fowler
0: probably probably takes the gets the nod and head to head. He with all the walks. He's he's on a nice little walk streak, actually. Fowler is.
1: Well, he just came back yesterday. But before that. Well, dating dating back to before that. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> still uh, count. Yeah, he still walks. He batted sixth yesterday and he tripled at Kansas City. And Fowler, again, sixty three percent on, him. what was so interesting is they sent Stephen Piscotti down. Yeah. Just a bust for Piscotti. Yep. Bad year for him. Um okay, what else we got? So in this little mess here, I you know, could you see for NL only owners Jose Martinez? In the Cardinals' outfield, playing more than Randall Grichuk, who's just been awful lately, he has five hits in his last eleven games. Martinez actually has let's eight sixty four OPS. He's having a nice year in limited time. Um, he's three percent. owned. this is really for AL only or NL only. But Jose Martinez, right. w- are you interested?
0: Yeah, in those deeper leagues, he might be kind of the NL version of Jorge Bonifacio, who was starting to get some attention as a power hitter for the Royals before they went out and acquired Melky Cabrera, ending his playing time. I think, um, I think Martinez is similar to that. So I don't know that it'll be every day. I don't think they're just going to banish Grichik, but it'll be more often than it has been.
1: Mark Trumbo could return any day now from his oblique strain. Miguel Sano sat with a sore hand, and MRI showed no damage, but he's quite sore. Miguel Sano, another save for Sean Doolittle. And Matt Belial got another save, his second in as many days. Belisle is eight percent owned. Belisle Love it today is team name Tuesday. We have a note about Belisle Love it, and uh, actually Lyle Love it, just so you're not confused. And uh, the Padres called up Carter Caps, but he is not going to close for them. So let's play a game, Scott. I'm going to give you a struggling hitter. You tell me what's more likely. More likely, and I'm not. And remember, Scott's not saying that the outcome is going to happen. He's just saying it's more likely a big finish or he's finished. Understand? Okay, got it. I understand. Big Ca- finish or he's finished. Carlos Gonzalez, what's more likely, a big finish or he's finished?
0: He's finished.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, he's not doing anything. Trevor no. Story, what's more likely, a big finish or he's finished? <sighs>
0: I have a little more hope for a big finish for Trevor Story, but if you're asking me to pick one or the other, I'm going to say he's finished. I would not feel totally comfortable if he was my only shortstop option.
1: Yep, I agree. He's my only shortstop option, and I don't feel (laughs) comfortable in the podcast points league. So, so far, a couple of Rockies more likely to be finished. Remember, this does not mean you need to drop these guys everywhere. We're just having a little bit of fun right now. Don't take it too literally. Jackie Bradley Jr. Ew! 198 <laughs> with one home run, four walks, 32 strikeouts for Jackie Bradley Jr. since the All-Star break. He's been terrible. What's more likely, a big finish or Jackie Bradley Jr. is finished? And he's kind of been a roller coaster ride all
0: year. He had a pretty nice stretch before that, so I will predict a big finish for Jackie Bradley.
1: Hooray! How about Eric Thames? 76 games since May 1st. He's batting 213 with 14 home runs in 76 games. I mean, it's uh, been everything but April. Yep. Really has and been.
0: I still like a lot of the underlying numbers, but I, it's just been so long. I've kind of, kind of lost hope, at least from the perspective of he has to be rostered in a mixed league. I'll, I'll say he's finished.
1: Eric Thames, more likely that he's finished than to have a big finish. Uh, Domingo Santana has been struggling. 218 batting average with three home runs in 22 games since the All-Star break. What's more likely for an 85% owned Domingo Santana? A big finish or he's finished?
0: Big finish. I I love the quality of the contact he makes. This is just a slump.
1: All right, how about Scooter Jeanette? Last 13 games, batting 184. Uh, and the previous 36 games, not including the four homer game. After the four homer game, he batted 323 with 11 home runs. He, like, he was incredible even after the four homer game for 36 games. But Scooter Jeanette, what's more likely? Big finish or he's finished?
0: Yeah, I really don't know what to make of Scooter Jeanette. I, this, <laughs> this cold streak coincides with me finally buying into him in every league where he was still available. <laughs> I made a play for Scooter Jeanette. I'm starting him, I think, in the podcast league, the 12 team points league this week. So, uh, not totally ready to write him off, but considering I didn't really understand the power breakthrough in the first place, I'm leaning he's finished here.
1: How about Mark Trumbo? Trumbo is showing some signs. June 30th through July 23rd, Trumbo hit 237 with seven home runs. I mean, the average was bad, but seven homers in 20 games. Then he had one hit in five games before going on the DL. He's coming back any day. What's more likely for Trumbo, a big finish or he's finished?
0: I'm gonna say a big finish for Trumbo. Ooh. I, I had hope for that before he went on the DL, so I'll give him a chance afterward too.
1: So to conclude, Scott has the most faith in Jackie Bradley Jr., Domingo Santana, and Mark Trumbo. Less faith in Carlos Gonzalez, Trevor Story, Eric Thames, and Scooter Jeanette. See? That's right. See. All right, it's time for you to make a couple of rankings adjustments, Scott White. Uh-oh. Plan to do that today, actually. So uh, I'm gonna you're help catching you out. me at the worst possible time. Yeah, I'm going to help you out. No problem. Okay. You're going to have to move W. Hit Merrifield and Chris Taylor over Ian Kinsler. Oh, I don't know if I want to
0: do that. If you if if we were playing Big Finish or he's finished with Ian Kinsler, I would take Big Finish just because of the good plate discipline. He's doing nothing else. I know, I know, but he's Ian Kinsler, and the reason I you I, you you could have told me at the beginning of the year. In fact, I think I had a Ian Kinsler in my bus column at the start you're, of the year. You're so a wise man, I, I guess. Yay for me, yeah, good but for you. It was because the strikeout rate jumped last year significantly. The swinging strike rate—it it looked like he was having trouble catching up. Like, you, if you see the swinging strike rate spike for a player who's normally has a low one, I, I take that as an indicator of age. Kinsler, in his mid-thirties, it made sense. But for him to correct it so dramatically this year, um. Look, I think the 28 home runs he hit last year was unsustainable, even if this even apart from the strikeout rate. So we couldn't have expected him to do that again, but he is so far behind pace now that I think uh, I think he's going to have that kind of surge we were hoping for for Manny Machado.
1: Mm, okay, so I guess here's my counter to the to your Kinsler love. Okay. So last year I'm kind of throwing out 28 home runs, 288 batting average. He just had this awesome year out of nowhere. The four years before that, you know, he was good for fantasy, with Detroit especially, because he played a lot of games. He scored 100 runs and 94 runs in in 2014 and 2015. He stole some bases. He drove in enough runs. But he slugged less than 430 all four years. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't, I feel like in this environment, he just wouldn't be all that valuable. He'd be more or less a jag, you know, cause he doesn't stand out in any category. He's just, this year is just his plate discipline. Um, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like if you take away the, the odd power surge from Kinsler in 2016, I just don't, I don't think he measures up anymore. And he's old and the Tigers are not good. That's the other thing. So. Well, he's at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, the home run production has been similar, I guess. The ISO for Kinsler has been similar to the three years prior to last year. So I, I get what you're saying. And uh, again, I wasn't counting on him repeating last year's homer total anyway, but he's 30 points behind in batting average and you gotta figure doubles are gonna come with that. Um, everything's gonna come with that. RBI, some runs scored. Mm-hmm. So I do, ex- I do anticipate some batting average correction for him. And I think it'll be enough to keep him ahead of Taylor and Whit Merrifield, who I think are both fine, usable options in mixed leagues. But particularly Taylor, I think there's going to be some regression coming for them. So, you know, if we're using the rankings, we're being forward-thinking with the rankings, rest of season, that's what they're meant to represent. A guy who I expect to decline... Versus a guy who I expect to make up ground in batting average. I'm, yeah, I, I really would rather have Kinsler than Taylor. All right, I'm a, Field, I'll look at a little more closely. I'm
1: doing a quick exercise here. So, if Ian Kinsler, 2000 points would be his better format right now. 2015, yeah, always. Two point nine four fantasy points per game. 2015. I gave him. His two thousand and fifteen points per game, and he's missed some time this year. He's only played ninety three games, so I gave him two point nine four times one hundred and six games. Let's just say he played a full season at his two thousand and fifteen rates, which was like mm-hmm. a you know an okay year, like a four twenty three slugging percentage. He would score three hundred and twelve fantasy points. w hit Maryfield has three hundred and ten point five fantasy points. Chris Taylor has 307 fantasy points. But how many games have they played? They haven't played full seasons, have they? At least not full seasons of like full time at bats. No. Yeah, Mer- Merrifield's only 94 games. Chris Taylor's only 93 games. So actually, I guess I didn't even have to do the per game thing because they played right <laughs> around the same amount of games. So the point is,
0: the point is they'd be close, but you're saying if we're just, if we're just talking about starts versus total games, you know, maybe Taylor and Merrifield move a little ahead of what, twenty twenty fifteen Kinsler? Yeah,
1: twenty fifteen Kinsler would not be as good as as uh as Taylor and Merrifield have been so far.
0: Mm-hmm. That's okay. But I do expect Taylor to get worse and
1: again I'll look I'll
0: look at Merrifield because I'm not totally hundred percent sure I want Kinsler ahead of him.
1: Alrighty. Uh rankings adjustment number two. I think let's move Travis Shaw ahead of Miguel Cabrera. How do you feel about that? Shaw's mm. been slumping, but Cabrera's Cabrera is 38th in points and 43rd yeah. in Rodo at first base it is unbelievable
0: I've been tempted to move Cabrera down for a long time it's just when when the line drive rate when the hard contact rate are, are you know among the best in baseball and he's Miguel Cabrera for goodness sakes, yeah you just feel like good things are going to start to happen but they consistently haven't been happening and obviously there's no, doesn't seem to be any real downside to Shaw. So I might be on the verge of doing that. I might be. It's okay. just, it's hard to know because when you, once you, once you make that leap for Shaw, how far do you go at first base? Cause then, you know, there's Jose Breu not too far behind. There's, um, uh, like, uh, Justin Smoke. Even Logan Morrison, I mean, there, there have come to be so many first basemen who we don't even question the startability of that if you drop Miguel Cabrera behind one of them, Miguel Cabrera, who hasn't really performed like a starting caliber first baseman this year, like how far do you go? Suddenly he's going to wind up my, outside my top 20 at first base. And right. it's just, it's just hard to know where to
1: slot him in that group. Shaw is the number six first baseman in points in roto. And, yeah, I mean, you could make an argument for Cabrera like we've made for Machado. He's hitting the ball really hard, and he's going to come around eventually. And, honestly, I'm, I'm looking at it now. You can make the same argument for Kinsler. He has the highest hard contact rate of his career, higher than even last year, which at the time was the hardest hard contact rate of his career, Ian Kinsler. Uh, just the home run-to-fly ball ratio is way down. The pop-ups are, are way up for uh, Ian Kinsler as well. Sorry to go back to Kinsler. Sorry to pick on the Tigers today. But all right, Scott, you'll make your rankings adjustments, and we'll figure out what you do. We'll talk about it later in the week. And I think now it's time for Team Name Tuesday. I don't know if we've had this one already, but I like it, and a lot of these are going to get me to sing. So uh, here's one from RJ. Only the good young. It's not young. I'm pretty sure
0: it's young, Not young, Which would I, ruin the team name, of course.
1: I think you can you can get away with it. it's close enough. It's a funny team name, only
0: the good, the young,
1: yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Isaac in Minneapolis says Lyle Lovett is a musical genius with dozens of great songs, and he was married to Julia Roberts, not Cindy Crawford, and oh, I knew that stupid Heath put Cindy Crawford in my head, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but um all right, here's a <laughs> couple of <laughs> singable team names, Lovin McCutcheon. Squeezing. I don't really know that journey song that well, so I don't know the tune that well. But love and touch and squeezing, love and McCutcheon squeezing, and okay. all we are is Dustin Pedroia. <laughs> That's pretty good. All we are is Dustin Pedroia. Uh from Ryan, Chris the Toolman Taylor. Chris the Toolman Taylor. That works with anybody
0: named Taylor, right? It does. Yeah, Chris Taylor is kind of toolsy, he- though. You're not big on the home improvement references, though. We discovered earlier. Dreadful show. Just dreadful. <laughs> this is from Jack. Green Eggs and Fam.
1: I like that. Yeah, it's good. It's simple. Yeah, exactly. Simple, and everybody knows what it means. Mm-hmm. Buy or Sell from Jack. We'll give him some Buy or Sells with his clever team name. Shane Green gets more saves than Cody Allen rest of season. Yeah, I don't think
0: that's a terribly bold prediction. Um, I don't. Like it, it, it would be a coin flip to me who would get more. But I, I think Green's going to get a lot for a Tigers team that isn't dreadful. Uh, even though they were sellers, and um, I think he's
1: good enough to keep the job. So I think he'll get a lot of saves. And buy or sell, Mike Fultanevich ends up being ranked ahead of Drew Pomeranz to end the season. Fulty over Pomeranz. <sighs>
0: Like he finishes with more points than Pomeranz. I don't know how they are, how they place relatively right now. I would still much rather have Pomeranz. Yeah,
1: I know. So I guess I'm
0: going to sell that.
1: There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with what Pomeranz has been doing. It's been very good. Uh, right, Scott, it's time for 28 Days Later. We're going to take a look at really 28 Days Earlier, but you know, that's not the name of the movie. No. A movie that I've never seen still. And every time I do this segment, I always say I need to see 28 Days Later. Uh, Yeah. Oh, really? Uh,
0: yeah, really? I mean, it was, it was alright. I, I don't know, I've, I've never, I think it's a Danny Boyle movie and those have never grabbed me the way they do some people. Like, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. I didn't really like they're Slumdog. Never, they're never bad, but I don't know, they're just not like, oh man, that movie was awesome.
1: Yeah, I didn't, I, I thought Slumdog was overrated. Uh, did, did you see Dunkirk? I know you're a big Christopher Nolan fan.
0: I am a big Christopher Nolan fan. I hope to see Dunkirk. Had an opportunity to... It, it's rare my wife and I get to go out, a, out to see a movie because, you know, finding a whole babysitter thing. That's uh, that's a challenge. But um, we, we went to see Baby Driver instead. And <laughs> I kind of regretted that decision. Okay, It I was another movie like, yeah, it was fine. I don't really totally get the hype. It was... I don't know. But Dunkirk, I've heard great things about Dunkirk. I expect great things from Dunkirk because, to me, Christopher Nolan can do no wrong when he's making a movie, and every single one of them has been a masterpiece. So,
1: yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think the Prestige ending is so overrated, oh, ridiculous. The like, Prestige is my favorite. I know, movie. I know. I'm sorry, Scott. I know. And I, I, love I watched the ending it. of the Prestige. I watched it be- because it's of you. A, it's such it's an such out of nowhere singer. ending. What do you mean
0: out of nowhere ending? There's so many hints dropped throughout the movie. You nah. need to, you need to watch it again because. Well, I, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of true of all of his movies. I feel like, like the first time, like you, you don't even, you don't even really notice all the hints that were being dropped throughout the movie until you go back and watch it again and be like, Oh man, that's awesome. It like gets more awesome every
1: time. All right. There's a movie like that. What the heck's it called? it's about oh man i never remember the name of the movie nando recommended it to me it's a good one it's about like a alternate world all right well anyway i'll think of it so 28 days later best catchers in fantasy baseball do you think gary sanchez is a top 5 catcher in roto over the last 28 days
0: do i think he is yeah so um no yeah, It's been
1: cold. You're right. He's sixth. So here are your top five catchers over the last 28 days. Wilson Contreras, no surprise. Fourth overall in Roto. This is Roto, by the way. Fourth overall hitter, or fourth, fourth overall player in Roto over the last 28 days. The next best catcher has been JT Real Muto, who's the 111th best player. So 107 spots different uh, overall player. Contreras, Real Muto, Buster Posey, Yadier Molina, and Wellington Castillo who I believe spent part of that on the DL. He only has 53 at-bats in that stretch. <clears throat> and then Gary Sanchez, Hector Sanchez, Cameron Rupp, Kurt Suzuki, James McCann, Christian Vasquez, Caleb Joseph. I don't know that there's much to be taken away from this list, Scott. The last 28 days of Roto for catchers. Anything you care about? No, I'm just going to say no. Let's <laughs> okay. go to the Let's. Go I mean, to we've talked base. about Wilson
0: Contreras a lot and how he's, you know, taking the leap to elite them. Otherwise, I, I feel like catchers, it, you take any 28 day sample from the season and it's just going to be pretty random what the outcome is because there's so little distinction between, you know, all but the four elite catchers. All
1: right. Last 28 days. Let's go to points leagues now and we'll look at first base. Who do you think the number one first baseman is in the last 28 days?
0: the number one first baseman in the last 28 days
1: yes all-time uh, scott i
0: will go with I, I guess paul goldschmidt
1: you are one fantasy point off ah uh, justin smoke has eight uh, home runs goldschmidt has five in that stretch and smoke has 17 walks at 23 strikeouts he's he, he's been like i think he had a bit of a cold stretch and now smoke Number one over the last 28 days, he's been great. Goldschmidt, Hosmer, Rizzo, Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger, uh with a more respectable nine walks to 17 strikeouts over the last 28 days, just mm. ahead of Joey Votto. So pretty cool. Smoke, Goldschmidt, yeah. Hosmer, Rizzo, Bellinger.
0: Like, it blows my mind that Smoke already has more than 30 home runs. I, I mean, I-, I never thought we'd see a 30 homer season from him at... Uh, Seven years into his career, uh, this was a player who was a top prospect. I liked him a lot when the Rangers first called him back up way back in the day, but he just hadn't shown that kind of power. And he, he's maybe the biggest, he may be the number one biggest surprise hitter this year. You know, Yonder Alonzo's kind of fallen off. Aaron Judge at least had the, the fact that he was a recent promotion top prospect. Justin Smoke has been an absolute stud and I don't know that I would have any reservations about moving him ahead of Miguel Cabrera. I was talking about not mm-hmm. really being sure how far down to move Cabrera. I mm-hmm. think Smoke probably needs to be ahead of
1: him. Alright, let's go back to Roto now and look at the last 28 days at second base. Your number one second baseman over the last 28 days is...
0: Number one second baseman, I'm going to go with, this is probably wrong, but Jonathan Scope. Holy
1: crap, yes, you are correct. Oh, really? How on earth has he been better than a guy who's hitting 427 in the last 28 days, Jose Altuve? But he is, Scope's batting 330 with seven home runs, a 608 <laughs> slugging percentage.
0: I really should have thought of Jose right? Altuve. I, right? I, crazy. <laughs> He's uh, kind of... Taking over the AL MVP lead during that time, but yeah, it's, I just it's knew crazy. Scope had a lot of home runs, so he's been on the mind, on the brain for me a lot recently. Let's see who's the best
1: in points leagues. Scope is one in Roto. Altuve is two in points leagues. It is Scope. Wow, it's Scope. Then it's Merrifield, Chris Taylor, Jose Altuve. What happened? Like, how is this happening? Home runs rule the day, man. Altuve with only three home runs in that stretch. Yeah, how many extra base? How many doubles? Uh, eight. And they all have, you know, Scope has six, Merrifield, Taylor, and Altuve, and then Eduardo Nunez, who's number five, also has yeah. eight.
0: So a lot of what Altuve's done lately, I guess, has been singles. I mean,
1: not that there hasn't he been the stinks. extra base hits as well, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he also only has three walks. Well, it's hard to walk when you're getting a hit every time up. Um, but yes, yeah, Scope, Altuve, Chris Taylor, Merrifield, and Nunez. That's your top five second baseman. Over the last 28 days in Roto.
0: Hmm. Any, anything else to say about that? I guess, I mean, that's, that's part of the reason I feel like I need to consider moving Berryfield up at least if, if not Taylor. I mean, Taylor still has the otherworldly Babbitt, but Berryfield is right around 300 and, you know, there's also the stolen bases he delivers, even more of those than, than the home runs. So. Plenty more to fall back on for Maryfield.
1: Um, How about Nunez? How about Eduardo Nunez? He's been amazing since going to Boston. I, you know, he's not this good of a hitter, but no. he is on like a forty steel pace, and he's going to score more runs now than he did at the beginning of the year. That's for sure. Can you feel confident starting Nunez as a shortstop rest of season?
0: I do worry about. A little about what happens when Dustin Pedroia gets back. Is Mitch Moreland just completely done? Doesn't look like Rafael Devers is going anywhere, but if, so if they, if they still have, if the Red Sox still have some reason to use more, Moreland, I think it would cut into Nunez's playing time. So I can't say comfortable rest of season, but you know, there's a pretty good chance you'll be fine with them rest of season.
1: Last 28 days, shortstops in points league. Who's number one?
0: Number one is shortstop last 28 days. I'm going to say Corey Seager is number one.
1: He's number six, good sir. Alex Bregman is number one with a nice little lead over Manny Machado. Eduardo Nunez. Didi Gregorius and Angelton Simmons. Bregman, Machado, Nunez, Didi, and Simmons. That's a pretty interesting list right there. Well, 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 Adam. Well, well. Oh, I well. knew you were going to do this. Is exactly what you well, did with Carlos well. Santana. You have forgotten what the argument was. It had well. nothing to do with going forward. It had everything to do with what had happened up to this point. Uh-huh. You understand right. that, right? No, I I understand. Okay, good. I but I am, but I am surprised to see this streak from Bregman because he had been so bad. Uh, 338 batting average, three more, three more walks and strikeouts, four steals. He's been good with steals this year, five home runs. This is all over the last 28 days. And actually, I'm going to read this email at fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. It's about Alex Bregman. It's from Jeremy. Dear Roger, Rob, Gary, and Adam. I don't know who those are. We can look it up. What's the 2018 outlook for Alex Bregman? Does he? Have a breakout year. Mm. I think so. I mean, I feel like he's going to go the Correa route.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe. You know who I think Bregman is? He may, he may take a, a, a similar developmental path that Anthony Rendon is taking. I feel like the ceiling is going to be similar. And Rendon has emerged as like a second round caliber hitter this year. So I, I think eventually Bregman will get to that, that kind of status in fantasy. It's just, it's hard to predict how quickly it's going to happen, but I love that at such a young age, he has good plate discipline. We know he has pop. He showed even more in the minors than he has in the majors. And I just think it's a very safe, projectable skill set for him. So, uh, you know, if we're talking about maybe like, Maybe we get to round six or seven next year. Kind of like where we're drafting him this year. I think it would be appropriate to draft him again, factoring in the upside.
1: Yeah, all right. So the rest of the list after Bregman was Machado, Nunez, Didi Gregorius, and Angleton Simmons. I was always the Didi guy as, like, I think the only person who believed in him. I have watched so much Didi Gregorius, and I feel like he's having the luckiest year I've ever seen. (laughs) I do think he's good. I do. Uh but And I do think, you know, he plays in Yankee Stadium. But there've just been some wall scrapers, and I want to look up his babip. Uh, his Didi Gregorius' his babip is 318. That's not as high as I thought. No, it's
0: not very high at all. Yeah,
1: I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Cause
0: he, he doesn't strike out much.
1: No, but he doesn't walk either, right? Uh, no, he doesn't.
0: Let's see, the so hard that, contact rate. So he rate. needs the power, even at a weak position.
1: His hard contact needs- rate is so bad, is so low. Yeah, and he's been good on the road too. Like I could understand if he was doing all this at home, but but Didi's been good on the road. Home run to fly ball ratio is exactly what it was last year. You could argue, no, it's better than it was last year. It's up to fourteen point two percent. I don't know. I I feel like he's a sell high candidate, but still solid.
0: I mean, there's not much selling to happen. There is not anymore. anymore. Trade deadlines pretty much passed. Uh, May still be open in some leagues, but not many. And um. I mean, the fact that it's shortstop, I I don't think you really have any reason not to just write it out with Gregorius at this point. I'd rather have Bregman. I'd rather have Andrelton Simmons, who you mentioned is in the top five still in the last 28 days. But Gregorius is right behind them. Somebody who might show up on next season's bust list if he's getting yeah, too, much, that's what I'm too much love in drafts.
1: That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh okay, and I think we're gonna take a pause from this seg this uh little game and we'll play a little bit more tomorrow. We'll do third base outfield and starting pitcher over the last twenty-eight days. Let's talk about Monday's action though. Okay. Jose Perella double donged and Javier Baez hit an inside the park home run. That probably would have been a home run in most parks, a conventional home run. And right. he's got an eight oh four OPS. San yeah, he it was in San Fran. Uh Baez has three home runs in his last five games and Addison Russell's on the DL. So Jose Perella, 10% owned. Javier Baez, 75% owned. Uh, anything to say about these two fellers?
0: Well, they're probably more alike than people are giving them credit for in terms of overall fantasy production. Perella, uh, there was a nice story on the Padres team site this morning about how he worked to change his launch angle at AAA this year uh, because they felt they, he had more power potential in him. And it's still below average, the launch angle, but it's much higher than it used to be. And we're seeing some pop from them. Javier Baez is thought to have even more power potential than that. It's been kind of, for this landscape, it's been kind of middling power, and he doesn't walk a lot. So you know he's probably a little own, over, over-owned over at 75%. But they're both, I think, usable. Uh I guess Baez has more versatility. He's shortstop eligible, so that's... Reason for him to be more owned than Perella.
1: I mean, he's been the most, he's maybe been the most over-owned player in baseball since draft day. We were talking yeah. about him all preseason, Javier Baez, as being overdrafted, and nobody wants to drop this guy, and now is not necessarily the time to do it, just because Russell's out.
0: Yep. But he's just- And he's hot, I mean, 333, yeah. 6 home runs in his last 18 games.
1: Yeah. But. He's not having that bad of a year, I mean, he's definitely improving, but the play discipline's still terrible.
0: I think the biggest reason like it it in in daily leagues with daily lineups. You have a guy who's eligible at that many positions and one of them is shortstop. It's just so nice to be able to plug him in wherever you need him on a Monday or Thursday where some of your other hitters are gonna have days off. Like I've found I've found that those multi eligible players the the They're much more valuable in those daily formats than they are in weekly formats.
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay, and uh, what else we got? Let's go to the fringy starting pitchers. And tell me if any of these guys you think are really, like, must-owns. Because these are two start streamers. Ian Kennedy, Brent Suter, JC Ramirez, Jordan Zimmerman, and Trevor Williams.
0: No. In fact, I think it's time to move on from Ian Kennedy. He had a nice little run there. But now three of his last four starts have been just plain bad.
1: But and the reason we wanted him is because he's at the White Sox this weekend. Now, his last start against the White Sox was only a few weeks ago when he got blistered. But they're worse since then.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a different story when you're talking about a two-start week in a weekly lineup versus, uh, you know, either e- if your weekly lineups are done, the lineups are set. So now the only reason, the only people who could potentially gain or lose that White Sox start are the daily lineup owners. And I'm just not sure, even with a good matchup, it's worth the risk.
1: Okay. So having said that, you're we're saying Ian Kennedy, Brent Suter, J.C. Ramirez, Jordan Zimmerman, Trevor Williams are not must-own players by any stretch. Would you start any of them this weekend? Kennedy at the White Sox, Suter against the Reds, J.C. Ramirez at Seattle, Jordan Zimmerman against Minnesota. And Zimmerman, like, he only gave up three runs in seven innings. Pretty good start. And Trevor Williams actually been very good lately at Toronto. So, uh, Trevor Williams at Toronto, Jordan Zimmerman against Minnesota, JC Ramirez at Seattle, Brent Suter against Cincinnati, Ian Kennedy at the White Sox. Anything strike you as, oh yeah, Adam, yeah. Like, Look at, I'd him. rather
0: not. I mean, my, I feel like Trevor Williams, last nine stars, 321 ERA, 122 WHIP, 7.1 strikeouts per nine innings. I feel like, Pretty good ground ball pitcher. He's reached the level where you don't feel like he's going to kill you if you start him. Like You're never that motivated to start Trevor Williams, but he seems like a high-floor pitcher. So if I just really needed an extra start, I think he'd be the most likely of this group to do the least damage.
1: Today's matchups. Who we start and who we sit in. Tigers at Pirates, Matt Boyd, Chad Cool.
0: Hmm. I think I I could see doing Matt Boyd. Um Yeah, I, I could see doing that. I don't love it, but I could do it.
1: Vance Worley at AJ Cole, Marlins at Nationals, Worley at Cole. No thanks. Sabathia at J-Hap. Hap,
0: I'd be willing to run with Hap after last outing.
1: Andrew Caster, Chris Flexen. Luis Perdomo, Sal Romano. No. Gosh, pitchers are so bad. Herman Marquez and Corey Kluber. It's in Cleveland. It's got to start
0: both. I think Herman Marquez is, well, it's too early to say he's Carlos Carrasco, but he's done some very Carlos Carrasco type things lately enough that he's away from Coors Field. Must start.
1: Chris Sale at Austin Pruitt. Definitely to... Sale. Yeah.
0: Pruitt's an interesting gamble. He was good uh up, upon being recalled last week. Uh, and was great at AAA before then. Really good strikeout rate. Low whip. I don't think there's a lot of ability here. But against the White Sox, I might roll the dice on that.
1: Zach Eflin and Julio Tehran.
0: I will go with... So that's what? Phillies and Braves? Yeah. Man, at SunTrust. I'd be the afraid sun. to start to Ron. Yeah. I'd be afraid.
1: Dallas Keiko I... and Derek Holland.
0: Definitely Keiko, definitely not Holland.
1: Brewers at Twins. Matt Garza at Alberto Mejia. Thinking neither. Michael Waka, Jason Vargas. Thinking both. Kenta Ada Zach Godley. Thinking both. Ariel Miranda, Kendall Graveman. Thinking neither.
0: Maybe Miranda. Okay. It's a okay. good matchup yeah. for Miranda because his biggest problem is home runs, Big Park, in Oakland. He can sometimes rack up strikeouts. So interesting sleeper, Miranda.
1: Jeremy Hellickson, Parker Bridwell. Neither. Jose Quintana, tie block. Quintana. All right, let's see if we can empty out the inbox real quick. Subject line from Scott in Chicago, I love raisins. Oh, by the way, uh, going back to previous email, dear Roger, Rob, Gary, and Adam, those are commissioners of major sports. Oh. Uh dear Tiny Goodbite, Justin X and Grape. Not a clue. Not a clue. What level <laughs> you, you of hitter you either know
0: it or you don't, you know, those <laughs> yeah. names.
1: Yeah. What level of hitter do you think I could get in return for Jacob deGrom and Craig Kimbrell? For both of them together? Any hitter you want. Yeah. Yeah. Start with trout and work down from there. Oh, these are the California Raisins, Tiny Good Bite, Justin X, and Grape. Ah, that would make sense.
0: I didn't – like, Grape seems like a really bad name for a California Raisin, right?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and also the movie that I was thinking – that I couldn't think of was uh Coherence. Coherence. Uh, it's a cool movie. To check that one out. Yeah, it's a cool Nando,
0: movie. Nando pulls out these, like, obscure sci-fi movies that end up being – Yep. Really good. He turned me on to Primer, which yeah you know, was kind of
1: confusing, but it was really interesting too. Okay, uh, I, I might have to check that out. Grade the trade from TJ: Give up Ryan Zimmerman, get Zach Godley. Give up Zimmerman, get Godley.
0: I would absolutely do that because I think Godley is more or less an ace, and more people need to buy into that idea.
1: Well, I didn't ask if you'd do it. I asked you for a grade. Oh. B plus. Okay. Dear, Funny Mayonnaise Valentine and Studebaker. Those are last names from Doug. Oh wow! Yeah.
0: Doug Funny Patty Mayonnaise Skeeter Valentine. I'm not sure about Studebaker. How about that? Not <laughs> sure about that one. This is but... an
1: email from Aaron. That's very good. Good for you. Doing a 30 team dynasty Roto draft this week. Uh, and we're playing out this year and doing prospect only drafts moving, moving forward. I've never done a league this large. I was looking for advice in the draft room. Wow. 30 team (laughs) dynasty roto draft. Yeah. What's your advice? Okay.
0: Yeah. So the prospect only draft.
1: Hmm. We, you know, that may be,
0: that may be something we should consider working into a draft room because in my dynasty leagues, I've kind of just provided, like, a very... Like, I've gone through all the different prospect guides and just provided, you know, just listed in alphabetical order a bunch of prospects. Like, in case somebody's just totally lost, they can at least pick out somebody at random. But that that doesn't seem like the most elegant solution. There there may be a way we figure out how to incorporate those into the draft rooms going forward because I know Dynasty play is, like... Something we're going to start You know that it's, it's growing It's growing And so it's something We're going to be Focused on a little more
1: Okay We didn't really give advice But we don't really have time to do it So Gary in New York Should I drop Jed Jerko For Catal Marte In a category league I wouldn't do that Though I think Marte's not a
0: bad flyer Okay Cool I just don't think it's worth Dropping Jerko
1: Um Thank you, Scott. We're done. All right. Wonderful, wonderful show. Back tomorrow with like real baseball talk because yesterday was just kind of fake. Just pretend. Yeah. Yesterday was didn't super, even happen. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you on Tuesday, on Wednesday. And uh, if you want, grade the trade. We can still do that. If not, approve the move. Let us know.